welcome in the voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. Craig, good afternoon. Hey, I really like when you were doing that about uh, Star Texas Propane, uh, Propane when you were talking about you kind of were doing your best Hank Hill there. Hey, well, it propane is Hank Hill. And propane accessories. You know? <laughs> Every time I see that, I mean that's exactly what I think of. I think of, I think of Hank Hill. But hey, you know, I, 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 when my son, when my son was uh, at uh, Angelo State University, he he did the PA and the game op stuff. You know, Division Two baseball being what it is. Uh, you know, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. And what he did was he played the sound effects. And one time they're playing Cameron University from Lawton, Oklahoma. And the pitching coach came out from uh, Cameron to go to the to go to the mound to visit the starting pitcher, and Andy just fires off that dropper here. Hank Hill go, you'll have to excuse him. He's from Oklahoma, <laughs> and and the minute he did it, the umpire turned and pointed at at, at my son up in the box and said, "That's enough of that." <laughs> so, but, a lot of fun, <laughs> indeed. And you can have that kind of fun at, at, at a baseball game. It's it's that pace and, and things of that nature. Absolutely. All right, no let's uh, let's yeah. talk a little bit about last week. Uh, Texas gets the lead late in the game. Oklahoma State drives and ties the game to force overtime. What were your thoughts at that point? Well, the you know the the, the games this year obviously have have uh, been quite an uphill climb offensively for a lot of it. There's no doubt about it. They've, they've really struggled uh, offensively for uh, large portions of games. Now, having said that, they, they've always been, this season, they've been really tremendous in the fourth quarter of games. So, you know, down in the fourth quarter, down 11 points, you got the kickoff return for the touchdown from Deshaun Jameson, and then rally back, and uh, Sam Ellinger leads them on that long protracted drive and it became that way because of roughing the kicker call against Oklahoma State but they still had to convert two fourth downs along the way including uh, the fourth and seven pass to Jake Smith for the go-ahead touchdown that you mentioned and at that point I'm thinking well the defense has played reasonably well today Joseph Osai have been a one-man wrecking crew but can they hold on and then of course Oklahoma State hit some big passes they get it tied the first thing that went through my mind Tom was they're going to lose the coin toss for overtime because they've lost the coin toss for the other two overtimes. And the entire season, this football team has only won one coin toss. Sure enough, they lost the coin toss. And, uh, but when they, but they had scored a touchdown on the first possession of overtime in the other two games, both in Lubbock when they won over Texas Tech and even in the four-overtime loss to Oklahoma. So I had a feeling they'd find a way to do that, and they did. Then it was just a matter of, can they get a stop? And Joseph Osai took care of that on that last thing. So it was, it was quite a big win for them. No, no question about it. Something that the team really needed. Craig, let me ask you this. I know, uh, you know, obviously Tom, Tom Herman's getting a lot of heat, uh, losing recruits, Quinn Ewers decommitting, and, and getting a big win like that. Has that cooled the seat and cooled the, you know, what feels like the the Texas money trying to rally to make a go pl- go make a play at Urban Meyer or any of the other uh, any other any of the other underground swell that's out there. Well, as you know, that'll that'll uh, that'll slow momentum for that sort of thing uh, if you can get one like that. And that was their first road win 
top 10 team in a decade. They hadn't done that since they won at Nebraska in 2010. Now, it's also fair to point out that after they beat Nebraska, they went to 4-2 and two, just like they are right now and then turned around and, and promptly lost the next game, which was at home, and went on to finish 5-7. and seven. So I'm sure they don't want to see anything like that. But that was a decade ago. I think it, you know, for, for the time being, uh, maybe it, it, it quieted critics a little bit, if only because there's still that vision there that you run the table, there's a real good shot, they'll wind up in the Big 12 championship, which was supposedly the goal of what everybody thought might be there, maybe 8-2 and two or 9-1 and one and get to the Big 12 championship. Well, for everything they've been through, if they run the table, they finish 8-2, and two, and the math will probably work out to get them in the Big 12 championship game. They, they need a little bit of assistance, but it would still probably work in their favor. So, in answer to your question, yeah, I think it, it turned the heat down a little bit in the eyes of, of some folks uh, in terms of the complaints and, and uh, uh, from a lot of the fans. But uh, nothing like a winning streak to kind of keep all that stuff tamped down a little bit, if you will. Sure, and, 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 having, and saying that, Craig, I mean, it's going to be tough without Keontae Ingram. Do you think there's enough depth at running back to get them on a, on a four-game run and, and the run that really they need to, to go on in order to kind of get all of this heat off of Tom Herman? But, you know, the funny thing about that deal is, is that there are a lot of people felt that the, the, the best of the three running backs wasn't getting the bulk of the carries. Bijan Robinson, the freshman, the five-star that came in from Arizona. And then there's other people who think that Roshan Johnson, the uh, converted quarterback, who's a sophomore, that maybe he might be better. I think, you know, Tom Herman has said all along that they were going to do it by committee, that no one back had truly separated himself from the others. Well, they're pretty much going to have to do it with those two this week. They do have, believe it or not, a grad transfer. is an interesting story. A kid by the name of Gabe Watson who had a great year as a junior at Division II South Dakota. But he hadn't appeared in the game this year. Now, he's listed for the first time this year on the depth chart at, like, number three simply because there's only two other guys ahead of him. I think we'll see a lot more of Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Now, having said all that, uh, you know, West Virginia – has been outstanding against the run this year, and they've been really tough defensively overall. They lead the Big 12 in rush defense. They're 10th in the nation in rush defense, and in total defense, they're fourth in the country and lead the conference. So Texas just, you know, the old out of the frying pan into the fire. They just got through with one really good defensive unit. Now they got to face an even better one this week. You mentioned that good defensive unit in Oklahoma State and, and Robinson and Johnson. I was looking at some numbers earlier today. Robinson and Johnson in the game against the Cowboys, their combined numbers, 22 carries, 108 yards, nearly five yards a carry. You can live with that. Yeah, I, I think that's the way that Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator, is, is, is looking at it. And remember also, fellas, and we've talked about this before, yeah, you have seven new coaches on this staff, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, and, uh, you know, a lot of Longhorn fans didn't want to hear about it when they were struggling earlier when, uh, you know, Tom Herman was saying they're going to need a little time with this, didn't have spring practice, kind of had to adjust on the fly. It was a truncated fall camp workout, so they're still adjusting to things. Now, we can see the fruits of the labor on the defensive side for sure with what Chris Ash has brought down from his time when he was at Ohio State and then and then over at Rutgers, you see it, uh, you know, manifesting itself 
in the play of the defensive front and even what the linebackers doing, obviously what Joseph Osai has done, being the national defensive player of the week. Now I think folks are waiting to see if the offense comes around. Sam Ellinger has not been 100%. He's been banged up, had a calf injury, a rib cage injury. Like, you know, he's been banged up, but he's he is definitely one of those warrior guys that won't give up and, and given an opportunity in the fourth quarter of games to lead his team down the field. I think he feels comfortable in that situation. But they're going to have to be able to run the ball a little bit and then try to get those outside receivers off of press coverage. They struggled with it, struggled last week with it. They've struggled all season with it. They're going to have to try to find a way to get some separation against the West Virginia DBs to have an opportunity to have some downfield throwing success. And let me ask you one more quick question, Craig. You know, the offensive line we talked about, obviously they retained Herb Hand. Uh, felt like they needed some stability on on that from that front. Uh, offensive line-wise, I haven't seen a lot from this team. Is that something that they think is going to gel and going to get better into these last, you know, into this last month of the season? Well, you certainly hope so because they've had their struggles. I think you probably know that the anchor of that group's the left tackle, Sam Cosby. He's the one that's being projected as as being a a, a really upper level draft choice. The rest of the guys that Kerstetter is a center and has been kind of a stabilizing force. His problem has been unnecessary penalties. Uh, and, and so that's been an issue with him. Junior Angulau, the left guard, has struggled a little bit with penalties. And the right side of the line has had its struggle. So they, they did a little bit better in terms of trying to protect Sam Elliger. But he's taken 15 sacks this year. That's part of the reason why he's banged up. So they've got to step up. And especially against West Virginia with those two defensive linemen, the Sills brothers, Dante Stills and Darius Stills and the Arizona transfer and middle linebacker Tony Fields, those are some war daddies on defense. They're going to have to hold their own against those guys. And and I asked Coach Herman about that last night on the radio show. He said, hey, the trenches, like the old thing about winning the game in the trenches, it's never more true than what it will be in this game tomorrow. All right, let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about high school football. You are obviously headed to the, the Metroplex, I assume, to uh, get ready for the Fox Sports Southwest scoreboard show coming up tonight. For me, I'm working on lining up playoff broadcasts as I prepare for my second, second district game at the, at the 6A level. So is, is that a little strange for you as well? And, and how are you guys going to approach how, how you present your show tonight with – all these 1A through 4A games having playoff implications, yet 5A and 6A in the middle of their seasons? It's a great question, Tom. And, in fact, the producer for the show for High School Scoreboard Live called me yesterday and said, how do you think we ought to approach this? And, and I agreed with him. His idea was the 4A down to 1A, that's the here and now. What we're going to see tonight Obviously, it's the final week of the regular season, so there's playoff spots on the line, there's seedings on the line, and there's district titles on the line. There's several win or go home your season done game. Now, that's to take nothing away from 5A and 6A, but in four weeks, they're going to have their opportunity to do the same thing. And And he said he was thinking about, you know, leading with a huge game like the one in East Texas between Pleasant Grove and Gilmer. I said, absolutely, it it makes sense, you know, as opposed to say. Cedar Hill against DeSoto uh, or or even Longview Highland Park because those are 6A and 5A games, and while they're big games, 
it's still not going to determine who's getting in and who's getting out. Put it this way, Tom. You know what I always say about the final week, the final Friday night of the regular season. I always say it's like opening up the package, uh, uh, unwrapping the playoff package, and you see who's going to the playoffs and who they're going to play and all that other kind of stuff. Well, because we've had such a disjointed, separated season where the 1A through 4A started weeks before the 5A and 6A, I said, think of it this way. The high school football season is a product of divorced parents. You get two Christmases this year. So they're going to be opening a playoff package tonight and then again in a few weeks as well. So we all might as well enjoy it tonight and then enjoy it again in a few weeks. You, you mentioned a couple of marquee games. Any, uh, any other games that we should be looking for uh, on, uh, on Fox Sports tonight? There's one out in the panhandle in uh, 2A Division II. Uh, and now, and I say this with, with the complete and full knowledge, Tom, that if you're talking about 2A Division II, you're going to start with the Mark Panthers and everybody else is, is, is kind of taking a number to see if they can, uh, you know, stay on the field with them because it's going to be very, very difficult. Having said that, Wheeler and Wellington is a great matchup in the panhandle tonight. Now, Wheeler had uh, some COVID issues, and, you know, if you're talking about a 2A roster, that can really knock you down a little bit. But they say they're representative and they'll be ready to go against Wellington. So that's that's one of the smaller ones that I was looking at. And then, uh, like I said, in, in uh, and there's a huge game uh, not that far away from us over in Navasota tonight uh, between Navasota and Giddings. That's for a district championship. And uh, and then and, and I'm always tuned in to those one game win and you're in lose and you're probably going home type of situations. You got one in that same district with Smithville and, and uh, Lagrange tonight. So that's another big one there. Win you in, uh, lose you're probably out. So games like that always attract my attention going into the final Friday night of a regular season. And you know, Craig, here in Central Texas, you have Troy and Academy playing. Winners in, losers out, and that is Ronnie Porter from Troy and Chris Lancaster from Academy. And, of course, Chris was uh, a longtime assistant, uh, the offensive coordinator of Troy, until this year. So a couple of good buddies meeting for a playoff spot tonight here in the uh, Super Syntex. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, listen, you want to talk great running back, Zach Herbacic. You want to talk about that. You know, that's, that's uh, the guy that uh, – we keep an eye on, obviously, but what he's doing for the Trojans. So you're right. Those kinds of games, that's what we're talking about, that are difference makers, those are the ones that we're really going to lead the front part of the show with tonight. Now, we also have a conversation that John Radigan from our staff has a conversation uh, with uh, Dr. Jamie Harrison, the deputy director of the UIL, where a lot of these things, these topics are going to be discussed about, you know, because there's the worry about playoff games. What happens if, if somebody says, well, we got to postpone? Well, you can't really postpone, but it's maybe a day or so. We've already seen it. It's already happened, uh, Tom, where uh, a team has already been given a bye, if you will, into round two of the playoffs because of COVID issues. Now, the team that drew the bye, basically, is Refurio, number two team in the state. We know how good they are. And a tiny little school from way down in the valley, Riviera Carter who can't feel a team now due to COVID issues. So there's going to be a buy for Repurio. But still in all, it is notable like that. And we may see another example or two like that. And one other thing, it still is not 100% chiseled in granite where 
the state championship games are going to be played, especially for 5A and 6A. Uh, so those are some of the questions Harrison tonight on the program. Okay, I, I was about to let you leave. Now we got to throw the brakes on. What are we talking about with uh, 1A through 4A? Is AT&T Stadium not a lock? Well, it's it's the probable plan. Uh, and and the reason why it's even kind of still even hanging up is because they want to make sure they don't have to postpone any games. And then if you run up against, say, a weekend with a Cowboys regular season game, how does that affect it? Same thing in January with 5A and 6A, clearly. Now, I, I think those of us can – you don't even have to be a cynic to look at it and say the odds of the Cowboys hosting a divisional playoff game are, are, are you know, getting slender by the moment. But still, they're, they're very uh, cognizant and aware of all of these things and wanting to make sure they don't have a problem, a conflict date with all that. And that's why it's still – a little bit up in the air. I think when, when all is said and done, Tom, the games are going to be at AT&T. I, I think they are. But going into today, and I even looked at the website this morning, it still was not officially listed as being at AT&T Stadium yet. All right. Good enough. Hey, Craig, uh, we appreciate the time. As always, safe travel, have fun tonight, and have a great call tomorrow uh, when Texas hosts West Virginia. It sounds good. Hey, it's a beautiful Friday. I'm sailing through Waco right now with no problems so far. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a rarity, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Craig. Uh, safe travels and have fun tonight and tomorrow. That's hey. uh, Craig Wade.